0: Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. If you have questions about our church or following Jesus, feel free to reach out to us at info at theplantchurch.org. Now, here's today's message. Would you all stand with me? We are going to pray and read the Lord's Prayer together. I want to thank you all for coming out this morning. Uh, I think everyone was like, didn't know what to do with the rain. And I was a little concerned knowing that we have no bathrooms and there are outhouses outside. I'm like, dude, there's gonna be like four people, me and the band and half the band probably won't show up. So thanks. So I am excited for this morning, but I want us to read and pray the Lord's prayer. And as we go through this, I want us to really think about what Jesus asked us to pray. This is the one prayer that is the center of all prayers. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Father God, I ask you that you would allow this prayer to be a springboard to every area of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Today we are in week two of our sermon series on the one another's. It is a five-week series on the one-anothers when there are actually, anyone remember how many one-anothers there are? A hundred. And out of those hundred, 59 deal with how we should and should not interact with one another. That's a lot of instruction, isn't it? And it's amazing that when you read the one-anothers, that the vast majority of them are in the epistles. So in other words, They're written for interpersonal relationships amongst fellow believers. You and I, if we are followers of Christ, when you open the epistles, this is how we are supposed to treat one another. So last week when I spoke on love, I thought everyone was going to run out and be like, oh, great, love, peace, and happiness. I think I messed people up. Because so many people focused on the opposite of love, which was what? Hate. I mean, text messages that were coming in. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a rough week for some people. Uh, One person even told my wife a text message that they wanted to send me, but they chose not to uh, just because I messed with their soul. But it's interesting. When we look at the one another's, we begin with love one another. But the second one, and after this week, things are going to get a lot easier, so I want you to hang in there with me, deals with the hardest issue of humanity. So right now, we look at the world around us. It's broken. Do I get an amen? Right? Jersey amen. Can you hear me say it? Uh Uh-huh. Right? Uh Uh-huh. Right? We are living in a broken world. And over the last few years... Hatred has come to the surface. We are cutting off relationships with people all the time. Matter of fact, there are new words and new vocabulary that is being used, that has been adopted into our culture where I think most people don't even know what the words mean. But if you really look at the meanings of the word, they're big, They're difficult. They're rough. Words like cancel, gaslighting, and shame. So what do they really mean? Do we just use them as as weapons to kind of stop a conversation? Or are these things actually happening? So let me give you the the right definitions. Because I think a lot of people use them in the wrong way. To cancel, to ostracize, shun, boycott, or stop supporting because someone has acted or spoken in an unacceptable manner, an unacceptable manner towards you and your beliefs. We hear this all the time. It's called the cancel what? Culture. That's the culture we live in. And we can blame the young generation. No, it's generations. It's the boomers, it's the Xers, it's the millennials, it's the Ys, it's the Zs. Everyone has created this culture that we just cancel people out when they say something that's unacceptable to what we believe. What about gaslighting? To manipulate in the attempt to sow self-doubt and confusion in another person. Gaslighting, the, the easiest way to say it is when you try to manipulate someone to get your way, to confuse them, to frustrate them. Now, here's another word. And this is a word out of the all three that I really, really struggle with. Shame. You see, what shame really means is that something has happened to you or in you that you will throw yourself into a deep, deep place of isolation. When someone is really living in shame, they're nowhere to be found. I mean, there's that, those are those friends that kind of just, you have no idea what happened to them. But this is the new definition of shame. Offending a person. Causing them to shut down and cut off the relationship. So an emotion that we once valued, this word shame that was so like something you wouldn't even touch, is now used as a weapon against each other so that you have permission to cut off the relationship. And what I've seen, if you look on social media, that churches, Christians, people are doing these things where we just cancel people out. We shame them, gaslighting. And we as the church are called to be a completely different body of people. The most loving, the most forgiving, the most gracious. Look what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, 31 through 32. He says, get rid of what? Say it out loud. Come on, everyone say it, right? I know it's raining outside. Get rid of all. all. How much bitterness? All bitterness. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted. Forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. The first thing that Paul says is he talks about those who offend. And I would say this. Those who have offended us the most are those who are in interpersonal relationships with each one of us. Do I get an amen? right? So I drove to the city on Thursday night. I was doing some coaching with another church, and I haven't driven into the city in like a year. When I was driving into the city, like, I was offended. I was offended by all the bad drivers around. I mean, literally, I'm driving and I'm flinching. Back in the day, I was the one that was controlling the road. But in this, like, like, I was offended, but I easily let it go. Strangers who offend us, we easily let it go go. But those who have any form of relational or authority in our lives, it takes root. It causes pain. Those who have really, really offended us and have hurt us are those who we have been in some form of relationship with. Do I get an amen? And what we do is we literally get to a point in our relationships that when we are easily offended by those who have offended us, it goes deep into our soul and it goes deep, deep down into roots that begin to shape our personalities, how we treat everyone else. And what I find so interesting, and I said this last week, that our greatest wounds are religious wounds. Yes, family wounds are really kind of like right behind that. But when you've been hurt by a brother or sister in Christ, there is a depth to that pain because the expectations we put on one another are completely different than anyone else. When I sit down and give counsel, and I said, so who offended you? And they said, well, you know, my, my friend, she, she's a person who, who led me to Christ and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, so what about your friend who's not a Christian? Well, they don't know Jesus. It's different. Do I get an amen? Right? Come on, you can give me a little amen for that, right? Expectations that we put on people, and at the same time, other people put on us. And when you read the epistles, it's so important for us to remember who the audience is that Paul is writing to. You see, when we read the gospels, it's just a general letter to everyone. But the moment we open up the pastoral letters, that's what the epistles are called Paul and Peter. And James and John and the author of Hebrews are writing to the church saying, this is how you are to treat one another because when you treat people a certain way, you will live out what Jesus said and they will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. Right? But who are the people that offend us the most? It is always, always those that we have a relationship with. A relationship where doors have been opened to trust. Doors that have been opened to be vulnerable with. Doors that have been opened that we have given of ourselves to. And so, what happens is oftentimes when we begin these interpersonal relationships, we make ourselves vulnerable, letting down our guard, and we are easily offended. I love what Paul says. He says, Get rid of. Get rid of. And he says, Get rid of what? All bitterness all rage, all anger, all harsh words, all slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. So springtime comes, and every spring I clean out my garage. And I warn my boys, we are going to clean the garage on Saturday. Some boys are better being helpful than others. Fortunately, my most helpful uh, son is here today, so it doesn't offend him. Uh, I thank you, my helpful son. You're a good man. You're a good man, Charlie Brown. Yes, you can give him a hand. So in that, I warn them. I, I really give them like a week or two notice. I'm like, we're cleaning the garage. We're cleaning the garage. And what we do is we literally take basically everything out of the garage. And we make piles. Piles of we're keeping this forever forever. Right? Things that we should throw away, but we choose not to, that one basketball that won't ever blow up, but for some reason, magically it will blow up when you have a family party, right? Anyone have any of those in there in there? Just us. I don't know why we keep it. And then everything else is all the garbage or all the stuff. And we make these piles. And then afterwards, I get the big broom and I sweep it out. And then I get the backpack blower on and I blow out the whole garage. <laughs> and that thing is spick and span for one year. That's it. Sometimes twice a year, but at least once a year. Getting rid of all. So when we have that pile of garbage, and my amazing wife Susie Q comes out and she starts going through it, (laughs) I'm telling her, everything in this pile is being get getting rid of forever so when paul says to get rid of he's not saying bring it back into the garage he's saying you're going to get rid of it once and for all and so when we have something towards another individual, and we are confronted with how are we going to deal with this weight that is put on our hearts, there has to come a moment where we say, I'm done. Because it's ruining me. You remember last week we talked about love, and the opposite was hate, and light, and the opposite of Light is darkness. And I said what John had said. How can we say we hate our brother or sister who we see, but we claim to love a God who we cannot see? You see, our relationships are interpersonal with God and each other. The way we receive forgiveness is the way we are called to grant forgiveness. And Paul says, get rid of Throw away the offenses and harmful emotions you have toward another individual. What words? Bitterness. Rage. Anger. He says, stop talking bad. I mean, Christians are the biggest gossip in the world. Do not get an amen for that? (laughs) Prayer requests. Hey, I'm not gossiping, but would you pray for me and my issue with so-and-so? Seriously, jerk, right? Seriously, we're throwing people under the bus every day. Or like, listen, something's going on, but I can't tell you everything, but I'll tell you the main parts, right? And what you are doing is you are emotionally slandering another person, inviting someone else to choose sides with you in this beautiful mess called prayer. And nobody does it better than Christians. Christians. Right? Right? Seriously, right? Nobody does it better. Because what we do is we manipulate our emotions with the heart of God so that others can choose our side. Wow. And he says, get rid of. Get rid of. We must recognize all these things in this list are acts of retaliation towards someone who has hurt and offended you. Rage, bitterness, anger, scheming. They're just acts of retaliation. Who's guilty? Cool, I'm always the guilty one. None of you raise your hand. You don't help me out one bit. You realize that? (laughs) A couple people, right? We've all done it. We've all done it. Steve, can I use you second service? Come on up. Come on up, Steve. Love Steve. I know he goes to the gym so he can help me out. That's why. So he then talks about forgiveness. He says, instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. I want you to hold something for me just for the rest of the sermon. Can you hold this? Yeah, sure just hold this one in this arm, this arm, and this arm. Okay. You signed the waiver for me, right? No. Okay, sorry. I ask for forgiveness. He says forgiving one another. You see what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is any act of offense. That is done towards someone and to God. Because anytime we offend another individual, brother and sister in Christ or anyone, we're not only offending them, we are offending our God. You see, oftentimes when we think about sin, we think about the big things, right? I grew up Pentecostal, so we always thought about the really big sins, smoking, drinking, dancing really i guess i'm going to hell <laughs> cuz i love the dance <laughs> but but seriously like we don't think about the little things the interpersonal things the scheming the anger the offenses we do to one another you see what forgiveness is it's a person's willingness a person's willingness to excuse a fault or an offense to pardon. It's to renounce anger or resentment against that which was done to you. Forgiveness is to absolve from a payment of. And oftentimes when we think about forgiveness, here, can you hold this one instead? This one's a little lighter. This one's a little lighter. Here. there you go. You're welcome. Forgiveness is used when it's said forgiving a debt. You see, there's nothing worse than credit card debt. Anyone have it? Don't raise your hands, right? (laughs) Some people are quickly ready to raise their hand. And and, and here's how it is. Debt, having something done to you or you doing to someone else is like carrying a weight. Think about it. If you have $1,000 on your credit card bill, right now, interest rates are like 21%. Every month, how much is that statement going to go up? How much? $210, right? That's 21%. Is that right? Am I wrong? Right? And every time you don't pay that bill, guess what? It goes up and up and up and up. You see, this is what unforgiveness is like. Let me take this one from you. Let me take that one. Every time, let me see this one too. Every time someone wrongs us and we are unwilling to deal with it, we carry a weight we're not supposed to have. And every time we do not deal with the conflicts of how people offend us and someone does something similar to that individual, guess what we do? we hold a offense more towards them. And it gets heavier and heavier and heavier. And then when someone harms you the very same way that that other individual harms you, guess what you do? You grab even more weights. And like right now, Steve could probably stand up here for a while. But if I said, Steve, you want to really know the weight of sin? Walk of, of unforgiveness, walk around every single day for a whole week. Whenever you're standing up, you have to pick that up. The only time you're not holding it, because you think you're not, you go to bed, you put it down, but the moment you wake up, you pick it up. It's this burden. Unforgiveness is a burden that we carry around, and we hold against other individuals, And right now, we as churches, as Christians, when even you go on YouTube and you listen to some of these knucklehead people, it's all about positioning to be right. It's not about being gospel present for other people. And so when we think about this whole idea of forgiveness, to forgive is to excuse, to pardon the offense done to you. Does that mean you have to be best friends? You may never be best friends again. But what you're doing is you're excusing that person's actions and words and deeds against you because you have done the same thing to other people. And most importantly, you have done the very same thing to God. This was probably like my Kairos moment when I was writing. I just said, it is is to renounce not the offender, but the offense, because we are all offenders, correct? We are all offenders, and when we deal with unforgiveness, when we don't deal with forgiveness, it's like we just walk around all day carrying these heavy, heavy weights that no matter what someone says, it's a little frustrating. It'll make you flinch, Right? think about it, like if I just started like annoying him, how much harder, how much, yeah, first it's fun, but how much harder is it, how much harder is it when all day long you're carrying these things and people just keep throwing things at you, throwing things at you, throwing things at you, pull a little karate kid at you, right? Like, Like what happens? You start being offended by every person in your life. And you, the church, become the most unforgiving people in the world. And Jesus said, and they will know you are my disciples. You see, we manipulate. They will know we are Christians. No, I don't want to be a Christian. I want to be a disciple of Jesus. I want to be a Christ follower. I want people to see me and be like, dude, he's not a Christian. He is part of like that Jesus movement that he acts like Jesus. And when we forgive others, we take this huge burden off ourselves that no longer we have to carry. Let's give Steve a hand. And we have all carried it. We've all carried it and we've carried the the burden of unforgiveness way too long, and it dictates how we treat one another. We have so much unforgiveness in our life that we don't even give people that we've never met, met a fair shot. Correct? If someone Acts or has a personality trait, or whatever. We quickly write them off because we've never fully let go of those who have hurt us. And Paul says, forgive just as God. Listen to this. I want you to, I want you to really learn this. Just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. We think like Jesus Jesus forgave me of my sins. No, God forgave you of your sins through the act of Jesus on the cross. That's theology proper, that you were separated from God. You hear what I'm saying? You were separated from God, and Jesus was the sacrificial lamb that bore your sin and your shame. And Jesus says, because he took your sin and your shame, we're good. We're good. How good is that? How awesome is that? Is that we are forgiven, and we are called to forgive just as Christ has forgiven us. And this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where the rubber meets the road. I talked about it last week. My own tensions of unforgiveness. My own tensions of forgiveness. My own tension of of hatred and having to relearn to love. And I think about the words of Jesus. And and can I be really, really honest with you? There are times I hate the words of Jesus. (gasps) What did the pastor say? Well, let me tell you if you like this one. Okay, seriously, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Now tell me if you like this part. But if you refuse to forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. Really? That's a good one, Jesus. Thanks. Do you know when he wrote, when he said this? Right after he taught the Lord's Prayer. He teaches the Lord's Prayer. Disciples are like, Dude, teach us how to pray. Every time you pray, crazy wild things happen. He's like, I'll teach you to pray. La, 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 la. And then this. The way you receive forgiveness is the way God will forgive you. That's a hard one. That's a hard one. That's a difficult one. And I really think that's the, where the rubber meets the road because when we truly understand what true forgiveness is in our lives, it teaches us to be gracious. Our desire for God's forgiveness should be the cry, the example of how we forgive others. Why is it so important to understand forgiveness? Because the way that we understand forgiveness is really the way of how we understand the gospel for ourselves. I've dealt with a lot. You know how crazy transparent I am. I'm one of those pastors you're either going to love or hate because of my transparency. You're either going to want more or I'm going to be too much. But the truth is, how we understand forgiveness is truly how we understand the gospel. Look what Jesus says to to this group of people. The Pharisees were all trying to meet with Jesus. They were all trying to manipulate him. It, it, it was in Luke chapter 7. And this person comes in who had offended their community. Someone who had came in and offended their community. And this individual, this woman, got on her on hands and knees and, and, and started worshiping Jesus. And as everyone was mumbling and being unforgiven and, and being a certain way, this is Jesus stopped the crowd and he said this. I tell you, her sins, and they are what? Many. He's not excusing her past behavior. He's not excusing her past behavior. He's not excusing her bad judgment. He's not excusing even the evil desires in which she was acting on before she met Jesus. He did not excuse them. He says, I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Who those who have really experienced the gospel... Love in such a deep, deep way. Those who have really messed up their lives and Jesus came in and went, do over. Those are the most forgiving people in the world. Those who needed grace, where grace was never given to them, become the most gracious people Because all of those things that no one could do for them, Jesus had done it for them. I want to be the most forgiving person in the room. I want to be the most loving person in the room. I want to be the most graceful person in the room because I know how much God has rescued me from. you. Because all those righteous people had no idea the love of God that was found in Christ Jesus. This is a slogan that has really shaped who I am. And this past Thursday night, I was working with an Armenian church in Midtown Manhattan, and I was talking about gospel fluency, and I was talking about Forgiveness. And this is one of those statements that, that literally like changed my life. And it was just something that literally I, I just wrote down one day. To understand the gospel is not simply how we understand forgiveness granted from God to us. But understanding how we grant forgiveness to those who have sinned against us. Because every time that I forgive someone, every time I allow someone's offense not to offend me, I get to be an example of Jesus to someone else. So here's what's scary. This is something that I read about three or four weeks ago. This psychologist was talking about interpersonal relationships. And he said, the normal person your average person will lose seven significant relationships in their lifetime. Ministers lose seven significant relationships a year. That's pretty hard. How many people that are literally kind of welcome themselves into our family and then out of nowhere just kind of vanish? Last week, one of our church planting founders, after we talked about love and hatred, they came up to me and they were literally shaking, like uncontrollable. And they said to me, I can't believe how much pain we went through those first five years of the plants. People that literally hurt us, people that were our Christian brothers and sisters, and they, they not only left, they talked bad about us people we invited into our homes. We had one individual who literally told my wife and I that, hey, we would love for your kids to call us aunts and uncle so-and-so. And And all of a sudden, one day, he turned around and tried to split the church and start a whole new church out of here. How scary is that? Yeah, I'll show you, uncle. Right? No, seriously. 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 How many people that will come into our lives and just leave and won't even say a word or they'll send a text message or an email? People that I've had to literally like was was their youth pastor. People that I married. People that I dedicated their children. People that I was there for their their, their passing of family members or siblings or, or life changes. And yet having this tension of learning to have to be the most forgiving person in the room. And many times I have not wanted to be. And many times I have not. But every time I do not live in a place of forgiveness, what I do is I walk around carrying weights that ruin my relationships that I have with other people. That's painful. Other people don't get our best because we don't deal with our Issues. Make allowance, Paul says, for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Because our understanding of God's vast, overwhelming love for us has canceled all offenses and debts, That were held against us, we need to do the same for others. We have to. What did Jesus say to the soldiers? Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Yes, there are evil people that know what they're doing, but they're also being influenced by the evil one. Think about what happened in Maine that was evil. Notice how the culture only talks about evil when something really, really big happens. There's evil all around us. But I believe that if we really knew how we hurt each other, we would never want that person to feel that way. True forgiveness releases us to not live in bondage. True forgiveness brings healing to areas that we have held on to causing pain, sorrow, and even injury to ourselves. Do you know there are medical studies? This is not spiritual manipulation. There are medical studies in journals, health journals, that unforgiveness causes health issues. Health issues. Heart issues. Health issues. Why? Because when we live in a place of unforgiveness, we live in a place of bondage. And everything's like this. Everything's like this. And you never have a place that you just let it go. True forgiveness is healing. True forgiveness is healing. I know people who have been prayed over, and when their unforgiveness was released, healing came into their body. That's pretty powerful. That's pretty powerful. True forgiveness is only understood by understanding Jesus' deep love for us. Do you really want to know if you know like if you really understand the gospel? Your ability, your ability to excuse other offenses. I want to read the one thing that I, that I said before. True forgiveness, it is to renounce not the offender, but the offense. I dare you to ask yourself, who do I really need to forgive? I dare you. I challenge you. Take that person's name this morning and say, Jesus As you have forgiven me, I'm going to forgive them. And for some, it's going to be like this magical moment and it just goes away. For others, it's going to be a daily practice. Jesus, I choose to forgive. Jesus, I choose to not allow their offenses to continue. Because more than likely, they will offend you again. Do I get an amen? Right? Do I get an amen for that? they will probably offend you again. But what they do should no longer dictate who you are as you live in your identity as a son and daughter of God. You see, when we forgive, we release the power that the enemy has used of others over us. We release it no more. And you know what? ain't going to let anyone break my stride. I ain't going to let anyone hold me down. I'm going to keep on moving. Right? Because every time I forgive, I grace them to have to be able to be shaken up for the kingdom of God to invade their life. And you know who needs the gospel more than anyone else? You and me. Because the church has lost the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the church has lost the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ that the world doesn't even want to hear it. And you know something? My gospel that I live in is so powerful that I do not have to allow someone else's offense to dictate who I am as a child of God. Amen? Here's what I want to do. I want this morning to be grace-filled. There's no shame. There's no condemnation. We all have unforgiveness in some area, right? There are people we need to forgive. There are people who have had strongholds over us. When Paul writes to the church and he gives instructions for communion. I shared this last week, and I was really proud of some people. Some people really heard me last week. It was a very powerful morning. We oftentimes think about communion, of who can't take communion. You go to some Bible churches, you need to make sure like you go to that church and you're a member before you can start taking communion. You go to certain evangelical churches, there's like a whole litany of of who you are before you take communion. And they only do it once a month because they don't want to act like the Catholics, right? Right, seriously? Paul says every time, every time you gather, take communion, every time, unless it's COVID. No, I didn't say that in the Bible. (laughs) The only time Paul says, don't take communion is when he says, if you have an offense— towards someone. Don't take it. And I think what we do is we read Scripture through such an angry eye. It wasn't like he was saying, don't take it or else. He's saying, don't take it or else you just keep living in a place of darkness. If you have an offense against someone, That God wants you to make right, not meaning that your relationship is going to be healed and everything's going to be kumbaya, but rather that you're willing to let go of that offense, that you're willing in your heart to make things right. I want you to do this. I want you to hold off on communion today. I want you to say, This week, Jesus, I'm going to deal with my unforgiveness. I'm gonna write a letter. I'm gonna make a phone call. I'm gonna do my part. I'm gonna identify what had happened. I'm going to forgive them. But if there's any place that I've played a role in this, I'm gonna ask for forgiveness too. If there's any place, I'm gonna ask for forgiveness too. And the next week you're gonna come take communion because you're gonna be starving for this next week. This is sacred. This is the example of what Jesus has done for us. Every time we eat the bread, every time we drink that cup, we are saying, Jesus, you forgave everything. Jesus says, go be me. Go be me. Again, you may need healthy boundaries. You may need to stay away from your offender. But don't allow another person's offense to dictate who you are any longer. You hear me? So here's what I'm going to do. For all you who will not eat today, I'm not eating either. I'm going to starve this week. But some of you need to take communion right now because you have forgiven your offender. Some of you need to take communion right now because you need to be reminded of the great forgiveness that Jesus has given you. Some of you need to take communion right now because this may be the first time you've come to a church and say, wow, wow, I think I might get Jesus a little bit today. So take the bread. Take the bread. With his body, he was broken for us. Take the cup and drink it. Drink that cup because that cup is the seal of the new covenant that the Holy Spirit lives and breathes and moves in us. And because of his spirit living in us, we no longer have to be offended by our offenders. Amen? Church, let's be the most loving people on the planet. Let's be the most forgiving people on the planet. And I promise you something. Next week is going to be a whole lot lighter than last week and this week. Jesus, your love emerging from forgiveness that you granted to me changed the direction of my life. And I know that this is going to be a journey for the rest of our lives. But God would today be day one. Just have your head bowed, your eyes closed. I want to challenge you for a second. This is just a whim. I didn't do it first service. Is there anyone here right now that just needs to declare like, I have to let it go? Is there anyone? Yep. I want to challenge you. Stand up. Stand up. No one's looking. Who cares? Let's go old school. Anyone need to stand up that really just says, I have to let it go. Yep. Just let it go. Let it go. And all I want you to do is imagine yourself taking this offense and putting it at the feet of Jesus. Let Jesus, take this from you. We're gonna do this closing song a little different. Just everyone's eyes closed, heads bowed. Let's just sing this song. If you need to stand in worship, you can. If you just need to stay seated, we're just gonna we're just gonna make room for Jesus to do whatever he needs to. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Thanks so much for joining us today. If this podcast has been helpful for you to know Jesus and make him known, then check out our website for more sermons and other resources, theplantchurch.org.